Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today once again by Meredith Clark. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, so we were talking about literally seconds before I hit record. Um, you found an article about the cast of Vanderpump Rules before they were famous. Oh, yeah. It was uh, my sister sent it to me because Love it. she understands what kind of content I need in my life. Um, and I do love Vanderpump Rules. That is I do a, too. It is amazing. 100% garbage. Oh, yeah. It is incredible. I can't emphasize that enough. Actually, I was on Twitter earlier and apparently Paul F. Tompkins is mm-hmm. unfamiliar with Vanderpump Rules. What? How is that possible? And just recently saw a cast photo, but like the expanded cast photo where it's like all of the side people. And yeah. he was like, is this everyone in the show or were there 200 more people slightly off camera? <laughs> but like, I think my only other favorite thing next to Vanderpump Rules itself is watching people find out about Vanderpump Rules yeah. where they're just like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, listen, I can't even accurately describe it to you right now. You just have to experience it yourself. But it is just hot trash. It's just bad people being bad to each other uh, and like drinking so much. So like, much. And I, even if they are exaggerating at ev- literally every other moment that they are not filming. They are stone cold sober. They would still have massive drinking problems. They should still be dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also it was, <laughs> it's, I haven't seen the show in a while, but I was really enjoying watching this cast of like 20 something year olds behave that way. But now they're like entering their thirties Yeah, and it's not cute anymore. And it's actually like, it's it's gotten real in the sense of like some of them have gotten married and divorced and now it's like kind of the consequences of all that behavior yeah. <laughs> has been very interesting to watch. But yeah, I can't emphasize enough. Um, yeah, it it's is. It's a bad show, guys, but it's like bad in a very enjoyable way. And I have, yeah, I, I'm, I'm conflicted because I'm not a big reality television person. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I am, but like gentle British reality television. Same. Um, not like throw drinks on people but I I'm like I'm really fascinated by the fact that these people are you know many of them are close to my age and they are still doing whatever it is they're doing and you know hey and they live in garbage apartments that like don't have curtains and they didn't put art on the walls like it's very strange right uh yeah that's it's, I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but that's as close to a guilty pleasure as I have. Hell yeah. Um, you mean that you don't believe it in the sense that you shouldn't feel guilty? Yeah. For, yeah, yeah. But I do actually feel bad about that. It, it is like, it's definitely one of those shows where I have to like know I've met like-minded people. Yeah. Like I've noticed people never throw that reality show out first. It's, right. it's kind of like, I watch Real Housewives and it's like, I too watch Real Housewives. And then the first person's like, interesting. Vanderpump rules like you're sort of upping the ante at that point Mm -hmm. Um, you have to make sure someone's willing to go on the journey with you before you drop that bomb yeah Uh, so while we are still in the pop culture section hello if you're new to light trees and news we do talk about pop culture and politics on this show we open with pop culture so we can talk about something dumb and light first guilt free no judgment on this show And then we go into bad news, and then we end things with good news. So we are in the pop culture section right now. And I wanted to talk about, uh, so the new Star Wars is coming out. And uh, I wanted to talk about how the screenwriter, Jonathan Kasdan, who co-wrote the film with his father, uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi scribe Lawrence Kasdan, uh, recently suggested that uh, Lando Calrissian is pansexual. Hmm. Now, here's my problem with that. Um, it's not the fact that Lando might be pansexual. It's that that's not addressed at all in the film. Mm. And I'm really over writers making their characters queer after the fact, yeah. but not addressing that queerness at any point in the it, text itself. It is not hard to write a scene where a dude kisses another dude. 
It's like, really not. Um, and like, I guess some people thought maybe uh, Lando was pansexual because it seems like he's flirting with Han in some scenes. But to just like kind of lightly suggest it and not make it part of the storyline. I'm not saying it has to be the storyline itself, but it feels very cowardly. And the way that like J.K. Rowling was like, oh, Dumbledore was gay yeah. the whole time. And you never knew because it literally wasn't in the books. It's like, that's not brave, you no. know, like that's you sort of revising your own text after the fact to be more inclusive without being inclusive. Yeah. There's also sort of, there's also something that's a little bit distressing or especially distressing about it being Lando, like by, mm. by saying, oh well, yeah, he's totally pansexual, but without actually giving him a meaningful relationship or some sense right. of it, then you're playing into the stereotypes of, of black men as like sexual, like yes. hypersexualized, uh, insatiable, like creatures who don't have agency. So it, yeah. it, it's like, I mean, it's just a little bit sad. It is. Come yeah. on. Like everybody would want to have sex with uh with Donald Glover's version of Lando. Come I just on. think like why not? Yeah. Yeah. If they really wanted to get real, they could have had him having sex with a robot. Hey. Yeah, I'd watch that. We have no there are no sex robots in Star Wars, are there? No. I think it's like suggested. Like sometimes in lounges there'll be like uh mm. like a guy with like his arms around like two babe robots, but I think that's as far as yeah. there's no, were you asking me if there's a hardcore fuck scene in Star Wars? <laughs> there is not. I can, I can, conf- I don't know much about Star Wars, but I can confidently answer that uh, there is no explicit penetration in those <laughs> films. So yeah, I was going to say something else about that. Oh yeah. Especially uh, this story just came out today. I don't have it in front of me, but the number of queer characters represented in film and television this year actually went down by like 20%, mm. which feels oh. weird because like we're, we're talking about films like um, Call Me By Your Name and Love, Simon. Uh, you know, so many great films about skinny, hairless white boys. Um, <laughs> but like that's actually the representation's gotten worse. Yeah. So it's especially nefarious to say something like that at this time, because it's like, no, we actually really need explicitly written queer characters. And it's like not cute for you to like hint at stuff like that when it's not in the film itself. And I will say it was a little bit of a, it was a moment like, and it wasn't, wasn't big, but they managed to do it in Star Trek. They just gave Sulu a husband yeah. and a child and they kiss each other and they yep. wander off together. And you yep, think yep. like, oh, that wasn't hard. Like yeah. it was that was all it took. There you go. Now you have now you've changed canon and you've now made Sulu gay. Right. Totally great. And yeah. it was uh yeah, it was literally the least they could do, basically. Yeah, but also it's like, <laughs> I guess, first steps, right? Like, you can at least do something like that. Um, it's in the film. We can give them that, you yeah. know, uh, and it's explicit. Uh, so I also wanted to talk about Kelly Clarkson. I love her. She's the best. Um, she uh, Was she presenting at the Billboard Awards? I think she was presenting. Presenting, yeah. So she called for uh, moments of action in honor of the Texas shooting victims in Santa Fe. Uh, She apparently, I didn't see it, but apparently she was very emotional during it. And she said, they wanted me to do a moment of silence. I'm so sick of moments of silence. It's not working, like obviously. So why don't we not do a moment of silence? Why don't we do a moment of action? Why don't we do a moment of change? Why don't we change what's happening? Because it's horrible. Uh, she pointed out she's from Texas and she's also a mother of four children. Once again, y'all, we're grieving for more kids that have died for just an absolute no reason at all. Mamas and daddies should be able to send their kids to school, to church, to movie theaters, to clubs. You should be able to live your life without that kind of fear. We need to do better. We're failing our communities. We're fa- we're failing these families. Uh, which I think was great. I also like was imagining like the producers being like, just go out and say uh, a moment of silence and be quiet for 20 <laughs> seconds. And then Kelly Clarkson was like, I have something to say right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which was just so great. And I'm glad I'm always really happy when very famous people use platforms like that for positive social change. Mm-hmm. 
And also it's brave too, because especially the genre of music, she's much more pop now, but I, that probably pissed off a lot of her fans. Well, and, I mean, but she's been doing very like, Aretha like and mm. country so yeah. she actually has been, been like country. her new yeah. but her new stuff is like very much geared towards those people I mean she's married to like the manager for like the biggest stars in country music so that mm-hmm. is like the world she lives in right and like yeah she's probably gonna piss some people off I also think it's really important to have somebody like Kelly Clarkson say it because how do you fucking not like Kelly Clarkson I mean you're just not human if you don't like Kelly Clarkson uh, so I think like having one of America's sweethearts be like this is crazy people <laughs> uh, was a really important moment and also having it be the billboard awards because I feel like that attracts a much more broad general yeah. audience than say like if it happened at the Tonys or even the Grammys you know mm-hmm. Um, was very significant. Yeah. Did you watch the Billboard Awards? No. I, uh, ever since I stopped working in women's media, I have a policy of not watching award shows. Oh, okay. Because I used to Bad memories? When you have to watch them for work, it takes all the fun out of it when you're trying to do it for that. And also, like, the Billboard Awards, to me, are, like, the People's Choice Awards. They're just, like, oh, this is, is like, a bunch of stuff. Like, there's probably some SoundCloud rappers that showed up, and I'm, like, and some YouTube stars, and I wouldn't have known who anyone was, and I just feel irrelevant. The only thing of significance, I think, was obviously Janet Jackson Mm -hmm. receiving the... Was that Billboard? I think so. I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, Let me... (laughs) You were giving me a look, and I was like, oh, no, is that a different... No, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that you're right. I yeah, just, it was um, Billboard. Yeah. Um, she was the first black woman to receive. Um, I forget what their main award is, but it's sort of like the the big award they give out for the the night. Uh, she was the first black woman to win it, which was cool. And also, Janet Jackson's the best, and she's Janet had, Jackson is the best. Had a really weird. Uh, career trajectory that's not at all her fault uh i'm looking at you justin timberlake but she was like the most famous female artist in the world she was beyonce basically Mm -hmm. and then they performed at the fucking super bowl and that dumb tit pop thing happened that was totally planned uh but justin timberlake threw her under the bus and was like i don't know what happened um and then she like disappeared for a while and now she's like just coming back um, but I was really glad she was recognized in that way because yeah. it's like she's a fucking diva. She's amazing. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think it's, oh, geez, this year is the 25th anniversary of Janet, the mm. self-titled record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I remember listening to so much, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. as everyone in the yeah. world did at that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also like her dancers, like she's an icon and she, I think people have just yeah. figured out that she's, you know, worth appreciating. They're like coming yes. back around to it that she got done, done wrong by Justin Timberlake. Although I think she also, when she was out of the spotlight, she, I think she she got married to like a billionaire. Yeah. There was a lot of like I mean, is that weird stuff? But yeah, there was a lot of stuff like going on in her life yeah. when she was on. It wasn't, I don't think she ever technically took a hiatus. She Not just, really. She just yeah. didn't. Yeah. Um, so okay. yesterday's episode, we kind of dabbled in uh, recommendations. Um, what was the last movie you saw? The last movie I saw, I'm trying to think now because I have... I, yeah, I've been watching so much serialized television that it's like, okay, when did I go I know. to movies? But <sighs> oh, mine was Infinity War, which I've already talked about. Oh yeah, on the um, show. Oh, I'll talk about one that I saw that is fairly ridiculous. Um, I my sister and I did this like do this thing where we watch movies and text each other while we're watching them so that we can Love it. do this. So. Um, we watched a uh, Geostorm together. Oh, so funny because as listeners of the show know, that was one of Melissa Harris Perry's recommendations. Oh my God. Uh, where she was talking about, speaking of guilty pleasures, where she's like, when I watch stuff, I want to watch like stupid stuff. I mean, it is, wow, it is stupid. <laughs> and I mean, like I have, I mean, we have, have watched multiple uh, Jared Butler movies together, um, including 
the movie Gamer, which is done by um, one of the guys who was um, responsible for the movie Crank, the Crank series. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, he plays, then he's like in a real life video game where Michael C. Hall plays this like tech, he's like Mark Zuckerberg, but evil. Um, and there's like a dance sequence. Great. Um, it's so violent and gross, <laughs> but then also like, amazing in some ways like yeah it's bonkers um yeah there's uh Great one yeah there's that one um oh there was one that also like really oh uh, this isn't even a recommendation this is just me being full of excitement and anticipation for something that's also valid uh i read updates on casting for john wick three <gasps> go and, on oh my god i really feel like I need to give John Wick another chance. Oh, I own them both, so we can watch them. Can we? we Because my first experience watching John Wick, I was so... Is it a spoiler? I don't think it's a spoiler. Um, So the the whole impetus of that movie is his puppy is killed by some bad dudes. Mm -hmm. And I was so upset. The rest of the movie, I couldn't really focus on what was happening. Like, I need to be... uh, There's a website called uh, Does the Dog Die? Yeah. Where you can check um, various films to sort of emotionally brace yourself. Like, I had to do that with... um, the drop with Tom Hardy. Oh yeah. Like, cause there's a puppy in that. And I was like, I need to know if this fucking dog dies and spoiler, uh, the dog does not die. So mm-hmm. I could enjoy the rest of that movie yeah, yeah. being like the puppy will be fine. I don't care if people die. I know it's like fucked priorities, but, but actually no, but I agree that like they, that's why I think that it, John Wick is such a classic. It's like the directors knew that whatever he like, does after that point, will be completely like, justified. I like and I think if I watch it a second time I'll be much more like mm-hmm. that but I was just so fucking pissed. I was yeah. like I can't believe and it's so heartbreakingly done that I just like couldn't focus. But who who's in the cast of John uh, Wick 3? Okay. So you've got, you know, the usuals. Uh um Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne's going to be back, Great. Ian McShane. Um yesterday they announced uh that Angelica Houston Halle Berry. Wow. Uh, Jason Manzukis. <laughs> <gasps> Love. I'm more excited about Jason Manzukis than anybody else. Yeah. I'll say um, it right now. And UCB what what? Uh, yeah. And I think I'm fairly certain that he has talked on his, like on how did this get made about wanting to be in the John Wick movies? Like they're, cause they're all fans. So this is one <laughs> of those times it. when Ugh. they've gotten, um, yeah, the, like the fact that, Halle Berry and Angelica Houston are going to be in it. I mean, Jesus, like there's, uh, there's many other people in here too. <clears throat> They're bringing people back, but I am, I am so psyched for it. It's going to be amazing. Okay. We have to rewatch the first one. Um, and also I never saw the second one. Well, I, like I said, I own that one too. Excellent. Um, because I am the kind of person who buys movies off of Amazon, but only if they are things like John wick. I like it. Uh, yeah, we'll have a John wick night guys i'm i'm willing to admit when i'm wrong about things it's um, a, it wasn't like i didn't enjoy it i was just i felt very numb <laughs> the whole yeah. time i was really upset guys i legitimately was uh love that one what am i looking forward to hey I, uh, I guess captain marvel hmm. mm-hmm. well just because i don't know i was like so devastated from infinity war that i'm like i guess the second half of infinity war and what's coming out in the meantime before then Captain Marvel. I like Brie Larson. Yeah, she's great. She's solid. She's a great actress. She's also like a good fucking person. Stood up to Casey Affleck, refused to clap for him good during an awards yeah. ceremony. Um, yeah, that's the I mean, of course, I'm excited about John Wick. 3. I just am feeling so silly. It's like there's got to be other important things coming out. But really Who cares just Who like cares yeah you know the purge <gasps> that's what i i'm very excited about the purge that looks so good if you haven't that was one of our recommendations on the show a few weeks ago but uh the new purge trailer so good so good it's like trump's america 
I just love how that franchise has become so political mm-hmm. when it didn't necessarily start that way. No, it uh, definitely did not. I've made my boyfriend watch the <laughs> movies. He's like, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. It's really good. Hang with it. it. Yeah, it gets really, really good. Uh, yeah. So I have I've reevaluated some of my feelings about the purge election year, having watched it recently. But um, as in you are less enthusiastic about it, more enthusiastic. I was less. En- I'm a little less enthusiastic about about that one now because there are some elements that I think are just like a little off. They're just a little like the characters are a little too shrill. I think that like oh, okay. the Hillary Clinton stand in is like nobody in their right mind would actually be that principled and be like, no, you cannot do this. And I was like, no, you better fucking purge. Like this is like, important. <laughs> um, and I, but like there are, you know, I thought, I still thought I was really good. And it's awesome that they have the whole like, um, and she should have let the, the um, underground anti purge activist like, blow up the church because then they end up killing everybody anyway um point uh, being spoilers sorry for the purge election um i guys I'm everyone dies realizing in the purge, now like, though like i don't remember that movie either even though i saw it and i enjoyed it i think i just need to rewatch all these movies. um yeah but i know that uh the ne- the next one i'm really excited because like i want to watch like it does seem like it's they start out very quickly being telling you yeah this is gonna be bad and we are gonna fight back against it yes which i'm I'm here for that. Yeah. Uh, guys, it's that time of the show. Let's no. all hold hands and cry. Yes, it has to happen. It's part of the show, but it will be okay. Here Fine. is your bad news. So our first bad news item of the day it's a doozy, guys. Uh, so the Environmental Protection Agency, which, as you all know, is now headed by EPA Chief Scott Pruitt, um, a literal human magnet for controversy. I think you mean corruption. <laughs> controversy, corruption, general awful- awfulness. Um, so that EPA barred the AP and CNN from a national summit on harmful water contaminants on Tuesday. And this is the best part. Guards forcibly shoved a female reporter out of the building. Yay. Ooh. Oh, boy. That's not disturbing at all. That's not, yeah, that's not fascist um, in any way. So, yeah, that's terrifying. EPA spokesman Jahan Wilcox told the bar organizations they were not invited and there was no space for them, but gave no indication of why they specifically were barred. Now, Probably because they're the reporters who are like, are you guys poisoning the environment? And they're like, get the fuck out. Both yeah. of you. It's like, Scott Pruitt can't travel uh, in coach because he's afraid somebody's going to yell at him, and now he's afraid of news. <laughs> he's also afraid of science, which is why he seems to have banned it entirely from his environmental protection agency. Yeah. Well, you know, science is annoying because it's like facts, mm. and those facts sort of um, prevent you from poisoning the environment and making a lot of money from yeah. your uh, oil buddies. So that's a bummer. Science is just like one big bummer party, you know? And we like positivity here. We do. We're making America great again. Right. Through denialism and corruption. And that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So that is terrifying. Um, And also just a continuation of the Trump administration's hostility towards the press in general. Which, you know, it'd be be cool if... um, more in the media acted like this was a fucking emergency. Yeah. <laughs> like a constitutional crisis. If we don't have a free and open press in this country, we're in a lot of trouble, guys. Yeah. Not saying mm. we have a great press right now. So, but here's one of those things where, like, do you want to know what it looks like? You know, we've got the, no, this isn't a violation of your First Amendment rights because you ha- there were consequences to your speech. This mm. is what a First Amendment violation actually, actually looks, looks like. like. Yeah. Because... The government is explicitly interfering with the operation of the free press. Meredith, I'm sure the right wingers who are constantly screaming about the First Amendment will rush to also call call this a First Amendment violation. Yeah. I'm sure of it. 
I'm being sarcastic, guys. Oh, I could never tell. Uh, I know. Sometimes I'm like too subtle and I'm like, maybe I should just explicitly say this. Uh, did you have any more thoughts on that story? Other than Scott Pruitt just being like of all the Trump administration officials, he is one of the ones where it's just like, how much shit can this guy do? And there's just like no consequences. I feel like every day, I think I was talking to Alexis Goldstein about this, (laughs) but was it Alexis? I forget. It was one of my guests who was like, oh no, Sarah Kenzier. And she's like, there could literally just be a political podcast to cover the shit scott pruitt's doing yeah because like every day it's like two stories about this guy there's always i mean there's he's he hasn't done a single thing that isn't awful like Mm -hmm. and he's you know got the job because he said he was basically gonna do that so of course this does not surprise me but it's amazing that we care so little about the environment (laughs) and the fact that our world is like literally going to burn yeah um that this guy like this stuff can't make a headline like that his actions can't make a headline yeah uh, the other day we were talking about how it was so depressing to hear that poor kid in santa fe talking about how she knew it was like inevitable that yeah. a school shooting but i realize i have the same behavior when it comes to climate change where i just accept the fact where i'm like yeah where i live now will be underwater yep. in i don't know a couple decades uh and i'll probably have to move inland and i'm just like already making those calculations in my head because i'm like well obviously the government's not going to do anything uh and so i'm just going to have to adapt Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and and especially uh i mean scott pruitt being the head of the apa is like a clear indication of how the i mean at least the trump administration does not take climate change seriously does not believe in climate change well and i don't know where what these guys think they're going to do when the climate when climate change comes because in in some cases i think they must know it's real and they just don't care because they think that they're like rich and privileged and powerful yeah, well and i mean they just don't care because they want to get the money you yeah. know this is about squeezing the last bit out of the revenue model and then you know, pulling the ladder up on the escape pod. What was the movie? Uh, this is going to be like two moms trying to remember the name of a movie Uh-oh. time. The <laughs> the people who made District 9. Oh, Elysium. Elysium. I think Elysium is like the most accurate predictor of what the future will look like, which is the rich have literally just built raised platforms. I mean, that's what Elon Musk is kind doing i mean that guy is just a good person you know i feel like he is really just egalitarian and and fighting for the common man no but i like to me if they have access to endless resources and just oodles of money yeah they can actually build a different environment where they'll be protected and then all of the poor people will be left on earth to burn yeah um i think that's the most accurate at least, like, in Trump's America. I think so, That's yeah. the end game of everything that's happening right now. So, also in bad news, guys, while we're still in the bad news section, uh, Mike Pompeo. Guys, you remember Mike Pompeo? Secret- oh, he's a nice guy, too. He's just a great dude. Uh, Secretary of State on Monday promised to crush the Iran deal. And, and I think he was pretty light on the details for the second part. Achieve a better deal. Okay. Hmm. Um, interesting because this current deal took a really long time <laughs> to come up with. I don't know if you guys were following that uh, in in <sighs> real time as that was happening. It seemed like it literally took forever. Um, he offered few details on how the United States would accomplish that goal without the support from European allies, Russia, or China. Literally anyone. Literally anyone. And also, um, the whole reason that deal worked was because European allies, Russia and China... (laughs) Are into it. We're into it. Um, And, you know, I I hesitate to call it, like, a perfect deal, but it was definitely a huge achievement. Yeah. At least in terms of diplomacy, the fact that any kind of um, deal could be struck. And people worked really hard on it. And it really entailed... um, getting a group of people into a room who were concerned with the nitty gritty details of the plan and for Mike Pompeo to just single-handedly claim that he wants to tank it and then be like, I don't have any details of how I would make a better deal to me, just like perfectly 
summarizes the Trump administration, which is yeah. like a lot of bullshitting, a lot of big talk, and you can't back up shit. It's like, yeah, we hate it. We're definitely going to come up with something better. Well, what do you, what would you consider to be better? Uh, yeah. Right. Just goes on and on. And, and in the meantime, like a ton of people get hurt mm-hmm. because you're waving your dick all over the place and you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And in the meantime, this deal that did service many countries and protect people, uh, at least from like all out war <laughs> in the short term, um, you're willing to tank just so you can look like a tough guy. Yeah, I guess. Is that what's important? Um, also, the fact that, you know, they would just like to invade Iran and. Yeah. All of that stuff. I'm not even sure why they want to be like, what do they think? I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm like, at this point, is it just like a geopolitical maneuver where it's like, that's a big enemy in an oil rich re- uh, region and they want to undermine Iran. I don't know. I, I, I like, what is the end game? Cause like, obviously it would be suicide to attack Iran. Um, and like Israel's mad at them. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying anything the Trump administration does makes sense. <laughs> this also, just happens to make even less sense to us as than it normally. Yeah, I have found usually when I can't figure out a reason, like, why are they doing this? It's usually just to make Obama mad. Yeah. Because, like, a black president was mm-hmm. president when it happened, and they're like, what's another achievement that we can undermine? Blowing up the, blowing up the world to own the libs. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Oh, yeah, this was a huge story that I actually kept checking Twitter to see if it was trending, and it wasn't, and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, A new Supreme Court ruling allows employers to force workers into uh, class action waivers, which means it would make it a lot harder for you to sue your employer. This is really, really bad. It's super bad. Yeah. Like, Uh, fundamentally undermines, like... yeah. Uh, as one All justice, rights. <laughs> yeah, as one justice put it, the case cuts to the entire heart of the New Deal. Um, that is, is that one of my cats, or was that no? Okay, uh, so the, it was a five-four ruling. Obviously, that's what all of the rulings are. Um, that upheld employers' use of class action waivers and arbitration agreements. By signing these controversial provisions, workers give up their right to band together and sue in court for back pay or damages and are instead forced to take their disputes to arbitrators individually. And arbitration is an absolute nightmare uh, for anyone who is not the corporation. Exactly. So this is a a huge blow to unions. Um, And I was kind of... I mean, I don't want to be that person who's like, why is nobody talking about this when I'm like reading an article about someone who's talking (laughs) about this? But I thought it would be like a much bigger deal. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of happened. And it was another one of those things where it's like another day, another shitty piece of news. Well, and I think that there's still so much when it comes to labor rights and labor relations that a lot of people have already given up. Like they just assume that things are going to be bad, that like... The you know that's why there's still such anti-union sentiment because they've been fed this line for decades that unions are getting undeserved benefits mm-hmm. for their members rather than protecting from the erosion of their rights and so everyone's just like well I guess it's, it's probably not going to be any worse but that's just because they've they never think about it yeah um, I read a, a great article that um, about this that said. Um, this comes at a particularly awful time for movements like Me Too because sure, yeah. think about uh, like uh, rampant and persistent uh, and extended periods of, of uh, hostile work environments as like the basis of sexual harassment law. Yep. And there are a hell of a lot of class action lawsuits that come from female employees mm-hmm. that are about hostile work environment yeah so this will now mean that powerful men in big companies will have even more impunity to harass yeah and and the big thing about taking someone to court is everything happens in public where it's like we can actually talk about these issues we can talk about workers rights we can talk about sexual harassment in a public forum where you know the accused are named and all of that stuff arbitration all that's quiet, you all know, all of doors. that's private. It, it, that's why it's so good for corporations because they get to pretend like it's not happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, Uber was doing that for a long time with yep. the sexual assault allegations against their drivers. It was 
part of when you used to sign up for Uber, there was yeah, like it was like a, you agree to arbitration. Arbitration, which means you can no longer accuse the person who sexually assaulted you in a public courtroom, which yeah. is just bananas. And Uber has since had to reverse that because the backlash was so enormous. But corporations want to do that. They mm -hmm. want to do things in secret. They don't want people to know what they're up to so that they can like quietly continue to violate workers' rights. So that's why this is hugely significant. Um, I also, too, just think like we live at a time now where fewer and fewer people identify with unions because the right has been so successful at dismantling them. Yeah. And we saw a little pushback against that. Not I don't want to. That sounds condescending. But like Fight for 15 was a huge moment uh, because it was workers organizing even though um they they didn't have the option to unionize yeah. it was still like well we're gonna go on strike anyways yeah. uh and fight for higher wages which was really encouraging but the right has been really really successful at dismantling unions to the point now where like this isn't a banner story you right. know because it affects it still affects millions of people, but that's still like a historically all-time low for mm -hmm. unions. Well, and, you know, this is sort of when you take this Supreme Court decision and you put it next to the proposals uh, that states are pulling up to require people to re have work requirements for things like Medicaid mm -hmm. or, uh, uh, you know, other public service, like uh, public benefits, um, you know, screwing up, like screwing healthcare over in general mm -hmm. like this just creates a system where like people like we're actively moving back towards the monopolies of like the coal mines the company towns and i mean uh, the fact that don blankenship's now running for office oh god like, that, I mean, listen yeah. he's not gonna win but it's still like what the fuck how is this guy he like facilitated the deaths of 20 27 seven yeah people the fact that this guy even has the option to run for office is like, what the fuck is going on? I know. Um, so, you, yeah, as we see this, like, things will just keep getting, yeah. this This stuff will just keep happening. I also, this was Epic Systems, right? That was the case? Uh, I'm not sure. I did not look this up because I think, I didn't confirm this, but I'm pretty sure that Epic Systems is a, is a company from my hometown. Hey. Uh, and it is currently the, like, it employs, So this like, was, uh, oh, wait, is it this case? Uh, National Labor Relations Board versus Murphy Oil? Um, that was a different one. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. I don't think they say which one this was. Okay. Um, but the, uh, yeah, they are currently like ruining the economy of Madison, Wisconsin by paying a bunch of 22 year olds $75,000. And then they're now <sighs> living in glass boxes downtown uh, and are like the biggest employer. And, you know, so of course they want, and they also have, uh, they're notorious for burning out their employees and then screwing them right before they are eligible for greater benefits. So the idea that they would be against class action is shocking. I, I actually didn't know that was an actual thing until very recently. I've been applying to jobs and stuff because your girl needs money. And there is a term for that called churn and burn, mm -hmm. which is that this is a thing, guys. Employers just work you as hard as possible so that you want to quit before you yeah, qualify before you for end benefits. Up qualifying for stuff. That's a thing now. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and it's it actually um, is a term that's used to uh, used to describe a lot of positions in like the journalism world. I know. Uh, yeah. Which is exactly what they do. They just require an insane amount of work for very little money. And then you're like, fuck this. And you leave before. Yeah. You before get your health care. Yeah. Or health care or, uh, you know, get a raise or yeah. are actually vested in some sort of, um, you know when they have to give you any vacation time, like all of this stuff, like, yeah. So fun. Uh, guys, that was a downer, but don't worry before you go out into the rest of your day. Here is your good news. Yay. Speaking of the Me Too movement, during the closing ceremony at Cannes Film Festival, 
Asia Argento gave a really impassioned speech, reminding the audience that many many sitting before her were complicit in the abuse of women at the hands of Harvey Weinstein and others. So she posted the version. so great. I know. She posted a version of the speech to her Twitter account, which reads, In 1997, I was raped by Harvey Weinstein here at Cannes. I was 21 years old. This festival was his hunting ground. I wanted to make a prediction. I want to make a prediction. Harvey Weinstein will never be welcome here ever again. He will live in disgrace, shunned by a film community that once embraced him and covered up for his crimes. Even tonight, sitting among you, there are those who still have to be held accountable for their conduct against women. For behavior that does not belong in this industry, does not belong in any industry or workplace. You know who you are. But most importantly, we know who you are. And we're not going to allow you to get away with it any longer. I just mm. love that you know there were dudes in that audience who were like, their hearts stopped. Mm. Yeah, that's, there, you could even see some of the people, like they, they cut to different faces in the audience and you could see some of them just thinking like the blood is just going to ice in their veins. Yeah, like, oh there no. are a lot of dudes right now who are really scared. Like I know multiple women who have been contacted by men in their life who were like, hey, did I ever do anything that was like, did I cross a line or was it problematic? Like, first of all, the fact that you have to ask is part of the problem. Yeah. But dudes are like scared right yeah. now. Yeah. And again, it just shows how misogynistic our society is because again, none of these guys have gone to jail. Nope. Some of them are in the midst of a comeback right now. Mm-hmm. But a slight change in the culture scared dudes that much where they were like, Oh fuck. They're like naming and shaming us now. Yeah. I mean, kind of amazing. I, you know, I, I think that it's so wonderful that she's so that, you know, Argento's so fearless at the moment, like just seeing her like be unafraid to express her anger and like letting out the, you know, 20 years of, misery that she Mm -hmm. had to live with because not only was she like violently raped by Harvey Weinstein he then ruined her career because she did not like she did not like being used I mean the fact yeah it's it's horrible he raped her at all but the fact that it happened at Cannes Mm -hmm. it was so powerful for her to be like it happened here (laughs) you know like it happened during this film festival and like Cannes this is sort of a a side note but to to go back to the sexism and misogyny of it I can't fucking believe that Jane Campion is the only woman to ever win Best Director at Cannes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and those seem like two separate things, but really they're not. It's it's no. just about how sexist the industry is, how, you know, misogynist, how women are degraded and not taken seriously in their film. Because, like, Jane Campion is a great director, She's don't incredible. get me wrong. But there are so many great female directors who are just not recognized. Who are not given any sort of respect. And, yeah. you know, and they've let, they keep letting Lars von Trier make fucking movies yeah. and take them to Cannes. And He's you get one predator. woman, yeah, uh, yeah one, f- one woman winning these awards, like, seeing it. Although I did, did you see that Kristen Stewart announced... She's gonna like at can that she's planning on on directing her first movie. No, um, let me <gasps> let me pull up the details because it's gonna be. Um, but yeah, like hold on, um, that's exciting. Just, yeah. So anyway, she's decided to use it as an opportunity to say fuck all of you. Good. Um, yeah. Well, there was just a profile of Jane Campion. I I forget um, where it was, but she was talking about how they recently had a thing where they honored some of the directors who had won best director at Cannes, And mm. she, she was like, it was almost worse that I was the only woman on stage yeah. because she's like, I think if it was all men, people are so conditioned to see that, that they would have yeah. been like, Oh, business as usual. But the fact that she was there yeah. really highlighted the fact that it was like, Oh my God, there's only one woman <laughs> that's, and it, and she's a white woman, you know? So it's like, yeah. Um, yeah. Very disappointing. Um, oh, she's going to direct an adaptation of the chronology of water, the 2011 memoir of swimmer and former Olympic hopeful Lydia Yugnavich, uh, uh, who is a um, bisexual 
athlete. Wow. Uh, this is what Kristen says. Uh, she's in my blood, and I knew that before I met her. As soon as I met her, it was like we started this race without any sense of competition. I'm making the movie this summer, but other than that, my only goal is to just finish the screenplay and hire a really spectacular actor. I'm going to write the best fucking female role. <laughs> I believe her 100%. <laughs> if you've never seen Kristen Stewart, when it was before she came out as bisexual, but she was being interviewed, and I don't even know what the interviewer asked her, but she was talking about how, like, when she sees someone disrespecting a woman now, she's like, I just want to go crazy on that. And, like, <laughs> like, her anger is so real, and it's weirdly endearing because she she's being so authentic where she's just like i will rip apart someone if they attack a woman and i was like you are so cool <laughs> i yeah. can't handle it yeah she's wonderful um so also in good news we've been talking a lot about the santa fe shooting the parkland uh shooting so if there is to be a positive outcome from all of that uh, the New York Times is reporting that youth voter registration has surged in battleground states in the months following the deadly shooting uh, at Parkland. Uh, voter data for March and April show that young registrants represented a higher portion of new voters in Florida, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania, among other states. In Florida, voters under 26 jumped from less than 20% of new registrants in January and February to nearly 30% by March, the mm. month of the gun control rallies. In North Carolina, voters under 25 represented around 30% of new registrants uh, registrations in January and February. In March and April, they were around 40%. In Pennsylvania, voter registrations across age groups increased sharply in March and April before the primary last week, but registrations of young voters increased the fastest jumping to 45% in March and more than half in April from fewer than 40% of voters in January and February. Oh, that's so good. Which is so great. Um, and so inspiring. Like we talked about on the show how it was really amazing after the Santa Fe shooting, like there was no hesitation, hesitation. Immediately the Parkland kids were like, offering uh, statements of solidarity to the yeah. students in Santa Fe. Students in Washington, D.C. left their high school and marched to Paul Ryan's office, which was such a fucking badass move. Like, these kids are such a powerful voting block, and they're really sought after by politicians, yeah. and, and they're they're really highly desired voters, and they've been very clear about they're not fucking around. And I think that's amazing. Like, again, the the source of it is very sad, horrible news. It's horrible. These kids can't just go to school and get an education. They have to worry about maybe being victims in a massacre. But if there is something inspiring to come out of it, it's that they feel very empowered um, to change the world they live in. And yeah. I fully believe they're going to do it. And I think the sense that, yeah, this understanding that they can do all of it like recognizing that because they've been left to fix it all on their own because clearly no adult is going to take care of it now they're you know organizing rallies and yep. social media campaigns and they're registering to vote and they're trying to find ways to start movements yep. they're like attacking the problem from so many different directions because they know that things are much more complicated and I sure. think it's amazing to see the level of savviness that these kids are displaying from an activist perspective yep. um, because that's so often not what politicians and movements will tell you whether it's always revolution versus pragmatism yep. or like you can be in the streets or you can be in the voting booth and I think like they've a lot of especially the Parkland kids but I think a lot of other kids have yep. proven need... that they do not need to be divided like you that. need mlk and malcolm x or mm -hmm. charles xavier and magneto for comic book fans uh but yeah i i the savviness is really impressive and <laughs> i always talk about this but like i think about when i was in high school oh and like God. i didn't fucking know anything about anything and i was just like smoking pot and like in my own fucking world and to see how informed and motivated these kids are is really inspiring also, I think it's interesting that the same qualities that adults use to describe kids derisively, like um, you're too idealistic, yeah. you're naive, 
you you don't th- like you're fearless, but like in a bad way, like, you know, like you don't think about consequences and stuff like that are the same qualities that are making these kids like a huge political force, which is they are idealistic yeah. uh, in a really good way. They're highly empathetic. They're standing in solidarity with each other, which is really important because they need to band together if anything's going to get done. And they're fucking fearless. They like David Hogg does not give a shit. And like I saw some people who were like, I would be really afraid if I was that kid's mom. Oh my god! Like, I, I but I understand that fear where it's like there are some very like hateful people tweeting him like horrible things and mm-hmm. like he and Emma Gonzalez do not give a shit like they don't care what you think of them like you can insult them you can threaten them and they're just like no we're doing this I mean they like lost loved ones in a mass shooting at their school I think at this point they're probably I, I would imagine that they must be operated under the idea that like well we've already survived that so I'm not afraid of your Twitter trolling yeah and also like Listen, maybe they do have moments where they're really afraid, but mm-hmm. the fact that they like keep going is so inspiring, especially like you know, I know so many adults who are just afraid to make a political statement because <laughs> they like they don't want people to be mad at them, you right. know? They're like I just want to get along with everyone and like to see these kids be like, "No, this is fucking important. This is like life or death, and I don't care if you're mad at me. I don't care if you hate me. We're going to change the world." It's yeah. just like you just want to follow them. You know, you're like, it's, it's mm-hmm. amazing. And I mean, like we created that because like, yeah, we have not, the society has not actually done any of exactly. the work. So now they're sitting here thinking, oh, well, if we've grown up like this. Then I guess we're just going to have to take it on. Yeah. And it also doesn't let older people off the hook. Right. It's especially yeah. because, um, we contributed to the environment that we now find ourselves in. It's like, it's not enough to be like, okay, kiddos, take the reins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good luck. It's like, no, we, we have to be allies with them as well. God, I hope those, I hope kids show up at Paul Ryan's office every day it be until he leaves office. I, again, I forget what episode we said this. I think yesterday's episode where it's just like any bad day for Roger Stone is a good day for everyone else. <laughs> any bad day for Paul Ryan is a good day for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, man, remember when that guy thought he was going to be president? Ah. That's a good time. Uh, so while we have some time left before we wrap up the episode, um, is there anything that you've overheard or seen in the city or eaten recently that, um, I don't know, gave you some joy? Mm, things that gave me some joy. doesn't have to be media. It can be like life experience oriented. Um, well, I've already talked about the Corgi meetup, which was epic. Honestly, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, that's a thing that happens periodically in New York City, and you can just watch corgis bound around a dog park for a few hours. So highly nice. recommend going to peep one of those if you have the chance. Uh, also, there is a uh, restaurant in my neighborhood called Wiling Katmandu, which is run by a young man who grew up in like in the area. His parents run a... Uh, Indian restaurant down the street. Oh, I did not and spend any or spell any of that. Is, right? <laughs> yeah, and so he's um yeah he's Nepal Nepalese American. So he's uh, it's like Nepalese street food, um, like inspired. And they have a Nepalese breakfast dish that is a take his take on the bacon egg and cheese sandwich. But instead of being on a bagel or a roll, it's on a like a buckwheat or lentil pancake. Ooh. And, uh, oh, my God, it's so good. Um, and then they serve it with an egg. It's so good. Uh, that would be – those. that's my big food recommendation since it's one of my all-time favorites. And, yeah, I think I have heard some funny things, but now, of course, I'm – I like, can't remember them. Yeah, I was trying to think of what mine – I just – yesterday was really nice in the city, and I interned at UCB, and I just got there early and sat on the steps mm-hmm. and – it was like sunny and everybody oh, was in a good yeah. mood. And then like other people who I know from improv sh- like started showing up and we were sitting together on the steps and I was just like, I love this community. I love uh, the weather outside right now. And it was like a perfect, as close as we can get to a Zen moment in the city. Mm-hmm. It was a very Zen moment. I love that. Yay. Yeah. And I've just been like, I love my Lloyd team and like, we've been having such fun practices and, Everyone's so lovely, and yeah, I was definitely one of the, like, less experienced members of the team in terms of just 
how long I've been in the community and like performance wise too. And I've never felt a moment of, um, like judgment or I've never been intimidated cause they're all so warm and supportive and it's just been a great experience guys. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I can mostly, I'm mostly just grateful for my, my dog, my, oh, she's the best. Yeah. Um, and the, the chance to walk around the city feeling like I was having, a, I had a bougie weekend. I took the dog into Manhattan and we ran around. So I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean yes, I took the dog, like the, this dog and I went to the city, you guys, it was uh hell yeah. yeah. Uh, oh my God. That photo you posted the other day of her in Pete's backpack. Mm-hmm. <gasps> she looks so happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Watching your dog fall in love with a human <laughs> that isn't you is actually a really beautiful thing. It is. Yeah. Um, so what else was I going to say? Something about, oh, <laughs> just us talking about the weather. I was going to be like, guys, it was a long winter. <laughs> Whenever I ask people, I'm like, what's like a good thing? Like everybody's just like, it's fucking warm out finally. <laughs> Great. Well, you know, now I'm going to have long December stuck in my head for <laughs> for like the next several days because yes. this is the current bane of my existence. And I don't know if other people have had this problem. Maybe this is like a 90s kid thing. I keep getting shitty 90s rock songs stuck in my head, but Hell like yeah. kind of feely slow ones. So oh, like okay. Long December or like the Goo Goo Dolls. Yep. Um, and it's it's really making me batty. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I love 90s music. So I'm just like, that sounds awesome. But yeah, I guess the the issue of it having like on loop in your head is a little yeah. crazy making. Look, you, I mean, you put... Put Iris on repeat <laughs> for yourself today while you're doing some editing. I'll fucking do and it. Don't think I won't. Find out how you feel afterwards. Because right. it's like, yeah, that's that's my it's my challenge to everyone. Challenge accepted. Can you survive? I, I not only will survive, I will thrive. Mm. I'm predicting it right now. Guys, please follow Meredith Clark on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Do you have anything else you want to plug? Any social media or anything? I always just plug Twitter. So, no, just Twitter for right Very now. Twitter bias. I'm, you know. Yeah. Doing, I'm taking a short break from being super online. Uh, that so. sounds great. Yeah. Although I, I am online significantly less than I used to be, mm-hmm. but I always could be on it less. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my teammates on my Lloyd team isn't on social media at all. She just communicates with us via email <laughs> and I'm like, you are the smartest person I know. Uh, also, Light Trees and News is 100% listener supported. If you are in a position to do so today, even right now, why not? Go to lighttreason.news, hit that donate button, and keep the show going for as little as $5 a month or a one-time donation. You can also upgrade your support. That's an option, too. Some free ways to help the show. Go rate and review us on iTunes. Maybe even leave a comment. That'd be cool. I see those comments, guys. Whenever I have a new comment, I get very excited. And also, another free way to help the show, tell a friend. Honestly, that is invaluable. It really, really um, helps the most because I'm a word-of-mouth operation at this point. I'm a tiny little show with no advertisers. You got to just tell your friends. Whenever you're talking about podcasts and they're raving about what they're listening to, be like, hey, have you heard Light Trees and News? It's really good. Uh, it's very funny, and they're interesting guests, and all that stuff. That helps more than you know. And also follow us everywhere on social media. Obviously, we're on Twitter because I just said I'm Twitter biased, but also on Facebook uh, and Instagram. Mm. You can follow us there too. Oh, I'm also on Instagram. I never plug my Instagram, and maybe I should. But uh, I, your host, Allison Kilkenny, am on Instagram, and uh, yeah, I post. What do I post over there? Selfies. Um, vegan recipes, sometimes the cats, uh, just stuff like that. Penny fell asleep, and I'm pretty sure she fell into a rage sleep. Mm-hmm. She, she was really angry. mad. Yeah, yeah, it's like angry sleeping, like pinched little face. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. I guess I should also mention that I'm going to be out of the country uh, this weekend. So um, next week, I need to take off because of travel and stuff like that. Well, well earned time off. Thank you so much. But we will be back after that. 
In the meantime, hashtag light trees and pod. If you had any thoughts about uh, today's episode or any episode, let's have a conversation. And uh, guys, while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>